Welcome to the Texas Conflict Coach radio program. If you've ever experienced or engaged in destructive or unresolved conflict, then you know it leads to broken relationships, distrust, and damaging results. Our program will help you manage and resolve conflict effectively with strategies, valuable resources, and support. Since 2009, our radio program hosted guest experts from around the globe sharing their perspectives, experiences, and expertise while giving you food for thought. If you can't listen live, then download and listen to any of our 300-plus podcasts in our library at texasconflictcoach.com. So sit back, relax, or join the conversation every Tuesday evening, or tweet us at TXConflictCoach. Good evening, listeners, and welcome to Conflict Chat, Our Nation Divided in a Path to Reconciliation. I am Tracy King, and joining me is Stephen Kotev, and we are your guest hosts for tonight's program. The last Tuesday of every month, we highlight conflict-related topics found in recent media and television networks. We also want to hear from you. Share with us the situations that are happening in your life. We invite you now to engage. Call us at 347-324-3591, and then press pound one so we know you want to speak with us. And you can also tweet us at TXConflictCoach and follow our Twitter feed using the hashtag ConflictChat. Welcome to the program, Stephen. Tracy, thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's fun to, to actually be able to work with you. I don't, I don't think I've ever done a podcast or a program with you. We haven't. We've worked on other things, but we haven't been able to do this, so this is really neat. Yeah, I don't I don't think we ever had, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yes. So one of the things I noticed when I was preparing for this, Stephen, was a lot of the things that I looked for to bring to the program, uh, whether it was on television networks, on media, or even the water cooler, you know, what was happening in the office, all really had to do with politics and how divisive uh it feels to be on either side of the aisle. And so that's kind of what I found when I was looking for what to bring to the listeners tonight. How about you? Yeah, I was I was like the exact same spot. You know, it seems that every time you listen to anything, it was some type of political issue one way or another. And, you know, I do live in Washington, D.C., so I know it's a little bit different for me since everybody here is, is always thinking about it and talking about it. But... I I was thinking about it a lot and seeing how people seem to be listening less and less and just basically acting righteous more and more and you know it 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 really started to get to me. I've had a similar situation. I actually was in Maryland and I moved to Florida. Um, and so I thought I would be a little bit more removed because I wasn't in that melting pot and so close to D.C. But I've actually had more curiosity questions from people um, when they find out that I've come from Maryland. You know, what, what's it like there politically? Um, is Maryland is heavily Democratic. How is everyone doing? So there's been kind of a curiosity to learn how other places are kind of coping with what's happening in the nation. Well, you know, I 
I was sort of going through the same process myself of just, you know, what's happening, what is this all about? And it, it made me go back to a um, a guest that we had on our program in the past. And this was back, you know, a, a while ago. Um, and it's uh, an interview I did with uh, Jonathan Haidt, who wrote a book called The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Are Divided by Religion and Politics. And that interview really just spoke to me in so many different ways about what is dividing us and what could possibly unite us. And, you know, what I'd really like to do today is is, is just share with our listeners what he talked about and how what he shared to me made a big difference because I think it helps explain why we um, are not getting along and what we're missing that could make a difference in helping us get together. Um, do you think that would be something that would be interested and interesting and worth talking about, Tracy? Absolutely. I think that's something I'm interested in talking about <laughs> and listening. <laughs> that, that, that's great. You know, um, we've got the interview up on our uh, on the program page for today. If anybody wants to listen to it. But the the long and the short of it, you know, the the, the gist of it is 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 that um, Jonathan Haidt is a um, he's he's somebody who is is he's a scholar who's been looking at, at people's psychology for a long time, and not just any psychology, but your moral psychology. So, what's the foundations of your of your morals? What is it that is sort of the 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 basics, the fundamentals of, of how everybody looks at a morality. And what he actually came up with after studying lots of different people from all across the globe was sort of six foundations that if, if you would think about it just as you have sweet and salty and bitter and, and all the other parts of your, your palate, you know, just how you taste things, this type of moral foundations fits the same idea. It's just part of what everybody has within them, and it's sort of what you pay attention to a bit more. And um, he had six different foundations that sort of fell along um, different categories. And, and the first one was a focus on our ability to feel and dislike the pain of others. So do you feel somebody else's pain and can you sort of say, oh, I'm so sorry you feel that pain? And it, it's tied to the virtues of kindness, gentleness, and nurturing. So that's that's the first one is is a concern for the, 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 the pain or the, 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 tr the treatment of others. Are they being treated equally or treated fairly? Go ahead. What comes to mind, uh, the first one, is just the idea of empathy. That word really mm -hmm. stood out in my mind when you were reading that, is just that ability to kind of put yourself in someone else's shoes and see, see through their lens. Well, and, and that's, that's why this stuff really started to speak to me, because as you take a look at it, you know, his framing is, is about the care and harm of others. You know, I have a moral focus. I have a moral foundation around if is somebody else being hurt and are they being cared for. You know, the second mm -hmm. one is a focus on the ideas of justice, rights, and autonomy. 
So is somebody treated fairly? So are, are they are we caring for them is the first one. The second one is, is are they being treated fairly? Are they being treated justly? The, the third one is a focus on the virtues of patriotism and self-sacrifice for the group. So it's this idea of are you focused on your country? Are you focused on your neighborhood? Are you focused on your state? Are you focused on your hometown? And are you um, uh, proud of what – are you proud of being part of that group and what it takes to be a part of the group, what, what, what sacrifices that you have to make to be a part of that group? And the, the easiest way of seeing this is, is this idea of loyalty and betrayal. Are you, are you being loyal to the group or do you betray the group? So we've got care and harm. We've got fairness and cheating. And then we've got loyalty and betrayal. Mm -hmm. Then after that, there's this idea of how do we look at authority? Are we actually following authority? Are we actually honoring authority? Or are we being subversive to it? Are we, are we trying to defy it? And this underlies the virtues of leadership and, and, and being a follower, including deference to legitimate authority and, and respect for traditions. So are you actually honoring what the traditions are? Are you actually following, you know, in the sense like police, you know, like a legitimate sense of authority? And are you actually doing that? What the mayor mm -hmm. says, you know, what your principal says, you know, what the crossing guard says, you know, are you honoring these legitimate sources of, of um, uh, authority? The next one. It's almost is, like do you color outside of the lines or um, do you stay inside of the box? Well, yeah, and I actually I think it's 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 more than that. It's do you think that's what should be done? Are you know, do you think okay. that if I have the picture, if I have the coloring book, I'm actually going to just stay in the lines or if I think, you know, you know what? I can just do whatever I want and that's not important. You know, just being able to have that contrast is one of the things that's that's really central to to how um, uh, this whole way of this whole concept works. Okay. So next one is about sanctity, and it's the, the this foundation is is comes from the idea of disgust and contamination, and it underlies the religious uh, notions of striving to live an elevated a less carnal and more noble way of life. So it, it, it's it's this idea of um, is somebody living a, a, a good life? Are they living a, a righteous life? Are they living a, a proper life? Is it um, uh, something that people can see has a, a, a are they are the level of sanctity that goes with it? Um, you know, and and. Uh, you know, it's kind of crazy because, um, well, I'll tell you a little bit more about the testing because there's a crazy story about how he tests for this. But let, let me let me let me give you the net, the last one, and then I'll tell you a crazy story because, uh, you know, the, the last okay. one is 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 a foundation about um, liberty and oppression, and it's the idea about feelings of um, resentment or reacting if anybody tries to dominate them and restrict their liberty, their ability to do whatever they want. 
So this last one of liberty is basically saying, hey, are you going to try to prevent me from doing what I want? Are you going to oppress me? Or are you going to allow me to do whatever whatever I choose? Um, and and the reason why I was waiting to tell you the crazy story was that, you know, when they were doing the research for this, they would ask people just really off-the-wall questions. But they were questions that really spoke to the heart of people's moral responses. And so one of the questions that they, that they asked goes back to this idea of, of, of sanctity. And they said, you know, and this is, this is, this is pretty crazy, but, you know, they, they, would, they would say if you had, a, if you had, a, um, if you had like a, 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 a dead chicken, would you, you know, use it for something other than eating? You know, would you, uh, you know, use it as a puppet? Would you use it, you know, as, as something else? And, you know, would you mm-hmm. do something to it other than, you know, eat it? And, you know, a lot of the responses were responses that were asked across the, the globe, and it would be something like, no, I wouldn't defile that carcass. Or it's dead, you can do whatever you want, you know. It's that liberty thing of like, yeah, I'll do whatever I want. Or no, you can't, you can't degrade it. So, so those are the sort of central foundations to how – this concept works in in understanding morality is care and harm for others is one fairness and cheating is the second loyalty and betrayal is the third authority and subversion is fourth sanctity and degradation is fifth and then last is liberty and oppression so for these morals is the idea that one person may have all of them or some people have some and not others well, and that is exactly why – this is exactly where everything becomes so important. Um, but what I'd like to do is, is I'd just like to remind everybody that you're listening to the uh, Texas Conflict Coach. Today we're talking about one of the most central topics that we've heard in the news today as part of our conflict chat series, Our Nation Divided and Our Path to Reconciliation. Tracy and I are your hosts today, and we're we're discussing – how our moral foundations affect our political outlooks. So, you know, Tracy, thank you so much for that question. That's a, that's an excellent question and one of the things that I've, I've really been thinking about for a long time. Because when you look at this concept and you look at some of the scholarship that's done behind this, what Jonathan Haidt found was that liberals tend to focus on justice and they tend to focus on care and concern for others. That in their sort of moral palette, the two things that they're looking for is, is are people treated equally and are they treated fairly? And, and those are the two things that, that really, really stand out for that. Other side, when you take a look at conservatives, a lot of conservatives are very much focused on this idea of loyalty to the group following traditions, having mm-hmm. respect for traditions and a legitimate authority and a high concern for, for sanctity. And that, you know, you you're 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 taking a look at this 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 notion of degradation and disgust and, and doing things that, that are the opposite of that. And that those are the two dividing uh sort of general categories that um most liberals and most conservatives fall into. So it's possible when you look at the moral foundations that 
not everything's going to apply to you depending on whether you fall under the umbrella of a liberal or a conservative. For liberals, it's more the idea of justice and care, and conservatives is its loyalty to the group and patriotism and those those pieces. Right. And, and you know, we, we put up on our program page a picture, and it's <clears throat> something that I pulled actually off of Facebook. And what it is is it's it, it's got an image and it's got uh, some children doing the Pledge of Allegiance to uh, the um, uh, flag of, of of America. And the line says, maybe instead of teaching our kids to respect flags and anthems, then it shows a, a, a child providing, I don't know, some type of food or something to a homeless person. It says, we should teach them respect, we, sh- we should teach them to respect justice and humanity. And this image so perfectly captured what I was trying to help people understand is is that from a liberal perspective, teaching them to respect justice and humanity is exactly what their morality calls them to do. That's the thing that's most compelling to them. And what I found is is, is that this understanding of, of loyalty to the group, deference to um, authority, legitimate authority – is something that liberals don't ever really consider. It sort of just kind of goes in one ear and out the other because what they're most focused on is, you know, res- this respect um, for justice and humanity. And politically, I see this happen all the time because on the other side, you know, the liberals aren't ever considering somebody who says, you know what, it's actually important for us to be loyal to our country to be loyal to our group and it's 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 actually important for us to go and and, and follow the rules you know and to have a legitimate uh, um deference to, to 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 authority that we we recognize as legitimate i think that's a really interesting concept and what comes to mind for me is the idea of being able to have the conversation. So there's these different moral foundations, and you've shared with the listeners the idea that liberals, um, they feel about, they feel strongly towards justice and care and also authority and respect, and conservatives also feel strongly towards loyalty to the group. And there's some commonalities in there, and I'm just wondering because when I've seen both sides have conversations together, they don't hear one another. Um, it seems like it's more of a debate and people become very defensive. And so I'm wondering what are some of the ways that this information can use to help our listeners have conversations that can further highlight things that they have in common? Well, for me, the first one is, is just to listen differently because, you know, one of the ones that I think about all the time is this the argument that you see around Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And, and within it, to me, a lot of times people don't understand what the other person is saying because they're not they're not paying attention to what are some of the moral underpinnings that each person is carrying with them. 
in that from a conservative perspective, it's very easy to say, well, Black Lives Matter is a way of, of differentiating somebody from the group as opposed to caring for the entire group. You know, instead of saying, well, let's let's take care of everyone in our group, it's saying, well, oh, you know, these people are going to get, you know, sort of special treatment. And on on the liberal side, you know, the liberal side is saying, well, these people have been treated badly and they need to be cared for and they need to be treated justly. But within it can happen is is, is that you know, a lot of liberal folks aren't able to understand that in how they're presenting it, they're not thinking about the group at all. And they're not thinking about what the impact of their statement is on the overall group. And so I think that you can have a very different conversation if you know how to listen to what they're saying applying this concept because it changes the conversation, I feel, in, in you know really important ways. Absolutely, and I also think there has to be some type of willingness or openness to want to listen, to be able to have that conversation, to listen, to understand. And so it's also changing your mindset um, and having more of an open, openness to you instead of being closed off and kind of in your, your, you know, your corner opposed to being out in the open and just having that conversation. Well, and, and you know, one thing that I would say to our listeners is, is that, you know, how do you start a conversation up with somebody who isn't going to be the most open to listening? Or if you've seen is, is, is got very different views from you. You know, and, and, and some of the advice that, you know, Jonathan um, Haidt gave me when I had interviewed him uh, was to basically focus on what your side of the aisle could do and then, then share your concerns about um, the other side. So... Um, I, I would say it's something where if you're talking about Black Lives Matter, you know, you you could say something along the lines of, or uh, if you want to talk about um, the state of, of uh, police, like the, the, the state of um, Black Lives Matter and police, you know, if you're a liberal and you're coming from that perspective, you could say something like, you know, I think our side could do a better job of understanding the difficulties that police officers have in doing their job, you know, and here's my concern about what I've seen as they've done their job so that there is an ownership, at least that you're acknowledging some type of concern that they have versus a lot of times what you see happening is, is just finger pointing that, you know, isn't at all anything close to listening. Mhm. Oh, it's almost like having the idea or the concept of or the awareness of there are things that I could learn about this issue and here are some of the concerns that I have about this issue. So it brings people together opposed to polarizing because the other side can come in and say, you know, this is what 
their experience is like, and this is what they do go through every day. And so they can each share information and possibly be more open to listening to concerns as well. Well, and, and it's also about just saying things like, you know, if you're a conservative saying, you know, I, I've, I've got a concern about how everybody's being treated. And I've got a concern that we're not taking a look at how our entire community is being um, uh, uh, supported or responded to or however you want to frame it. But if you can help clarify for yourself, first of all, what is what is what part of your moral palette is being spoken to in that moment? Because you know, I see it with 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 like flag burning, you know, where liberals don't understand that burning of a flag is an insult to people who, especially military folks, who are like, you know, my 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 friend who I see more like a family died to serve this country and you don't seem to feel like you belong uh, um you have any loyalty to this country so you know if a conservative would say you know as opposed to you know you're a terrible person you know it would be something like i i i'm concerned that you know you don't you don't show the the same loyalty that i do you know and it's going to be awkward. You're going to say things that maybe you don't want to say because it's, it's a real transition. But just being open about what is important to you can really change how you talk to somebody because we don't really do this. This isn't natural for us. You know, it's more natural for us to sit in our little, you know, Facebook bubble and just agree about how much somebody else is an idiot. <laughs> So some of the big takeaways that I've heard from this program is the idea of kind of having your own self-awareness and where your passion or where your views are coming from that can help you frame how you can have a different conversation that may be more positive and also helps you learn from the different Sides, what's kind of going on regarding the topic that's important to you. So it's not so polarizing because you're learning together and you're also more aware of yourself and what your focus is on that helps you kind of keep track of where you want to take the conversation. Exactly, because it's one of the things that we talk about all the time in, in helping people deal with problems is, is that if you really want to make a difference, you want to do as much as you can not to listen to respond, but to listen to truly understand. And this is a way of helping you get out of that immediate sort of blood boiling, I can't believe they said that response to, so, you know, what is this really about? You know, what is it that you're really concerned about? Because I find that most of the time we're so quick to jump to assumptions that we don't really sit down and actually give the folks a chance to fully state what they say and to to try to um, dig beyond the easy insults that come to us so easily. Absolutely. When I do conflict coaching, I try to tell my clients all the time 
to try to have a learning conversation. And if you feel you get to the point where you can not do that, if you start getting worked up, you're feeling flushed, and you just want to immediately um, change it so it feels like you're more um, combative or you're getting ready to win your argument, take a deep breath and try to recenter yourself in a way where you can rejoin the conversation in a way that may be more productive. And, I th and it's such a quick change that you can do when you feel yourself getting to that point. It's just breathe. We do it every day, but just to be able to mindfully breathe in a way that helps you engage in the conversation in a more positive way can make a really big difference. Exactly, because what I find is, is is that we're doing a great job of pulling ourselves apart. But if we're re if we're really going to work for reconciliation, we got to be able to control ourselves first of all, which is you know grounding yourself, regulating your fight or flight response, being able to actually listen as opposed to argue. But then the second thing is is to say, well, you know, what is it that really matters to you, and and to you know, give them the benefit of the doubt that they're a decent person that has real valid concerns and that they're not um, whatever you want to call them, all the different slurs that, that are out there that, you know, are, um, mm -hmm. you know, libtard and cuck and all these other things that to me are, are um, uh, one way or another completely demeaning to the other person. And you know we're we're always going to have these people who we don't agree with and we think are fundamentally wrong, and they may well be. But there's a lot of really good people in this country right now who don't see the person on the other side of the aisle as a decent person. They see them as somebody who is either completely irrational or a monster or some other version of that. And this concept of saying, well, hey. Is it about care and harm? You know, is it about fairness and cheating? Is it about loyalty and betrayal? Is it about authority and subversion? Is it about sanctity and degradation? Or is it about liberty and oppression? You know, is it, is it about one of those things? Is that really what this is about? And I think you have a very different conversation about that versus the sort of same old stuff that we're doing now, which I don't think is serving us very well at all. Absolutely. I agree. Oh, well, I think we could probably talk about this topic for hours, but I think it's time to unfortunately do our three-part closing and just remind the listeners that this program is also a resource, but there's over 325 podcasts that can help you with strategies for your conflict situation. And if you visit texasconflictcoach.com, you can access all of our podcast library and you can listen on our YouTube channel on the Texas Conflict Coach or follow us on Twitter at Texas Conflict Coach. Stephen, is there a final message that you would like to leave with the listeners as we talk about reconciliation and self-awareness? Yeah, I, I would say if we want to pull the country together, we got to first understand ourselves and then actually legitimately try to understand somebody else and understand them outside of your comfort bubble. Go make friends with a conservative. Go make friends with a liberal. Go, go have lunch with a libertarian. Sit down and actually allow these folks to share 
what matters to them. I think if you can make friends with somebody who you disagree with, I think we can actually make this country much better than it is right now. Thank you for listening to the Texas Conflict Coach. We hope you've enjoyed the program. You can find over 300 podcasts archived to listen at your own convenience at texasconflictcoach.com or download the podcast at iTunes or Stitcher Radio. To learn about upcoming radio programs and resources, sign up for our monthly e-newsletter.